just brings forth the supremacy of our great God. It just brings forth his supremacy. And that one verse there, I remember Donnie Bell preaching the message on this, verse 10. Be still. That means just to stop. That means just to sit, like repose in a chair. Just be still. Don't move. That means no work. Be still and know that I am God. Oh, my. Oh, my. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in all in, all, in the earth. And he is, isn't he? He's exalted by his people of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. Oh, my. Turn, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Today we will look at the supremacy of Christ. The supremacy of Christ. Colossians chapter 1. And these verses bring forth our great God's supremacy, our Savior's supremacy. Lord Jesus Christ is the true and living God incarnate in the flesh. And he came here to save his people from their sins. And he did it, beloved. Praise be to God, he did it. He did it. And now he is in, he's in glory, seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's our mediator. The only mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus our Lord. Colossians chapter 1. Let's read verses 15 to 23. Speaking of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven. Now note that. All things, all things, every molecule, every single thing in this world, every atom, every speck of dust, every insect, everything visible and invisible, all things were created by him, by the Lord Jesus Christ that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created by him and for him. They are all subservient to him. Everything is subservient to our great God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Our Savior. It goes on. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the head. When you get family pictures taken, we don't take pictures of our feet, do we? Right? We take pictures of our head. The head always gets the preeminence. Right? He is the head. We're the body. He gets the preeminence in everything. In everything. Oh my. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Oh, he might get all the glory, beloved. He might get all the honor and all the praise. Look at this. For it pleased the Father, it pleased Jehovah, that in him should all fullness dwell. And heaven made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, now who did, he was already at peace with God, Christ was, right? Because he's God. Who did he make peace for? He made peace for us. We who are chosen, redeemed sinners. God himself made peace with himself for us. God the Son did that. And having made peace, how? Through the blood of his cross, this shows his humanity. This shows us his humanity. He was a real man. The blood of the cross by him and only him. To reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you. Now he's writing to the born again, blood-washed saints at Colossus. He's not writing to the whole city of Colossus. But he's writing to the saints there. And he says, and you. And you. This was our state before the Lord saves us. That we're sometimes alienated, alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled. I remember someone telling me, well, I was never an enemy of God. That's someone who, who used to sit in the Grace Church. I was never an enemy of God. And I said, well, if you were never an enemy of God, then you weren't born again. Because when you're born again, what do we realize? We were enemies with God in our, in our nature, don't we? God, and that's not my words, right? That's the words of the Scripture, isn't it? That's what the Scripture declares. So really that person was arguing with God, weren't they? 
I was just the messenger, but they got mad at me. But, but really, they're, they're bucking the word of God is what they're doing. Because the word of God right here says, look at this. And remember, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And you that were sometimes alienated, right? We were dead in trespasses and sins. And enemies in our minds. Now, now, did God know who we were? Did he know we were his lost sheep? Of course he did. But in our minds, by wicked works, we were enemies with God. And I know that. I just have to look back at how I was before the Lord saved me. I wasn't saved till my 30s. I know how I was. I know in my mind I was an enemy with God by wicked works. I was shaking my fist at God the whole time. And then I had the audacity to say, when someone called me a sinner, what? Well, that guy over there is a real sinner. See, full of self-righteous. Full of self-righteousness. No, we know what we are as believers, don't we? We know we were alienated enemies in our minds. by Look at what it says, by wicked works. That's by our sins. That was our state, by wicked works. But look at these marvelous words. Oh, look at these. Look at these marvelous words. Yet now hath he reconciled. So the believer can say, I am reconciled to God by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in him alone. Hallelujah. We're the most blessed people in this world, beloved. We who are the people of God. We're the most blessed people in this world. Look at this. In the body of his flesh, through death, when he died for us on Calvary's cross. To present you. Now, now think of this. We are sinners by nature. We're sinners by birth. We're sinners by choice. And look at what this marvelous, marvelous verse says. To present you and me. Right? And remember, Paul's writing to born-again, blood-washed saints. And, and to present you holy. Holy? All we are is sin. <laughs> but it says Holy. Who are we holy in, beloved? Christ. Amen, sister. We're holy in Christ. We're holy in Christ, in Christ alone, aren't we? Look at this, to present you holy and unblameable. Who are we unblameable in? Christ. He's forgiven us of all our sins, beloved. And, and look at this, in unreprovable in the sight. He don't see a blemish in us at all. God the Father doesn't see a blemish in his people at all. Why? Because they're clothed in the perfect spotless righteousness of Christ. Oh my. Now, we know our sins, don't we? We know what we've done. We know them. They're all forgiven if you're a believer. Every single one. And in God's sight, even though we're sinners still while we're on this earth, right? He sees us in Christ. My! I can't get over that. I'll be honest with you. I cannot get over that. That Christ sees me. And if you're a believer, he sees you. If you're born again by the Holy Spirit of God, if you've been granted faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, as Sister Kathy says, if Christ is your all in all, right? When she sang that song, if Christ is your all in all, then we will one day be presented holy and unblameable and unreprovable in God's sight because of Christ and Christ alone. That's good news for sinners, isn't it? That is the best news for sinners. And it says if you continue in the faith, well, who keeps us? God. He keeps us in the faith, doesn't he? We're kept by the power of God, Peter wrote. If you continue in the faith, who's our faith? In the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one object of our faith, isn't he? He's the object of our faith, beloved. Look at this. Grounded and settled. We're grounded and settled on the Lord Jesus Christ and in him. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. What's the hope of the gospel? Salvation in and through Christ alone. That he's made peace with us. That he's reconciled us to God by his precious, precious blood. Which ye have heard. Now, what he's writing there too. Think of this. They haven't just heard like you hear my voice. They heard the shepherd's voice. 
as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, the word of God came with power and much assurance. And that power is the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You are not the same as you used to be. (laughs) We're not what we're going to be, but we're not what we were. Praise be to God. eh? And the only one who's made us to differ is God and God alone. He's the only one. He's the only one. Think of all the people you know in your life. He's the only one who's made us to differ one from another. What you heard, we've been given ears to hear, which was preached to every creature. That's why we preach the gospel to all. We don't know who the gods elect are. We don't have any idea. Therefore, we preach the gospel to all. There it goes. There it goes. Through the internet, here, well, I'm preaching here, later on through the internet, out it goes. And to God be the glory. Lord, use it for however you will. In some, he, he uses it. To some, it's a life unto life. In others, it's death unto death. Some, he softens with it and grants faith. They're regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And some are hardened. Who's the, who, who made the difference there? Only God. He's the only one who's made the difference there. Look at this. Preach to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Paul was put into the ministry. Every gospel preacher will tell you, we did not seek the ministry. God put us in it. He put us in it. It's incredible. He saves us and he gives us a message to preach and proclaim and then he gives us a place to go to to preach and proclaim and it's all by his glory and for his glory. It's absolutely stunning. Oh, so I'd like us to look from these verses. I gave you half a message there. That's okay though. I'd like us to look in these verses here on the supremacy of Christ. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will illuminate these scriptures for us and just comfort our hearts. Comfort our hearts. You know, because Christ is the only one who's worthy of our glory. He's the only one who's worthy of our praise. He's the only one. Now, we're taught as humans in our natural state to glorify ourselves, aren't we? And it comes natural. It doesn't take much. It comes natural for us. It does. But I was reading this week, and for tonight's message, actually, and, and I love what, what one of the preachers said. He said, we are to pour out our lives for the glory of God. I like that. Just pour it out for the glory of God. Just live your, you know you're living the pizzles? I'm looking at, I'm looking at living the pizzles here before me. Living the pizzles, the scripture says. Isn't that, people read you every day. Isn't that amazing? We're living epistles. We who are the born-again, blood-washed people are living epistles for the Lord. That's absolutely incredible. And we don't, we don't know it. Someone may, may hear us talking about our faith and, and hear us talking about giving God the glory. And you don't know what that's, how that's going to affect them. You have no idea. No idea. So just keep living your life before the world in Christ. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. Pray for our loved ones. Praying that God if it be, his, be his will to save them. But live your life before your family, your friends, the world, in Christ. Just trusting in him. And resting in him. Because he alone, again, is worthy of all the glory, honor, and praise. Now, now the book of Colossians here. It was written to combat an error called Gnosticism. And the Gnostic error had sprung up among the Colossian churches and also, or Colossian church and also among other churches and it was being promoted by by false teachers. And they taught that, that one had to obtain a more excellent knowledge, which of course they alone could only impart. You see, they're, they're, they're the only keepers of it. There's a problem right there, isn't it? There's trouble right there. So they were the ones who, who could impart this knowledge and they believed actually in a, in a hierarchy of angels and Christ was just one of the angels. But again, only they could impart this secret knowledge. 
Well, we as born-again believers, when we hear that, we run right out the door, don't we? But that's what they did. And they had crept into the church. And again, they taught that there was other mediators between God, which we know, though, the scripture says there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. So there's only one mediator, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what Paul's doing, he's bringing forth the supremacy of Christ. He's, he's setting Christ ever before them, and, and which gospel preachers do, right? Ever set Christ before our hearers. And he's showing them in these verses the supremacy of Christ. And we saw that as we read that. He's over all. There is nothing, there's nothing that's not in, under, under his dominion. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Now, we have leaders in this world, and they, they lead over their country, right? But they don't have dominion over other countries. Now, they may militarily have dominion over another country, but, but I guarantee you the people that live in that land still see themselves as, as citizens of that country and not of the, not of the, the country that's invaded or, or whatever. Come in to even help them. They still see themselves as their own citizens. But with Christ, he has supremacy over all things. And Paul is writing about the supremacy of Christ to, to directly, directly com, come against that error. He's combating the error that's crept into the Gnostic church. And you know what? It's still around today. People say, well... Well, I have this knowledge that, that you can only get from me. No, I'm sorry. This book is where, where I find all truth right here. This word of God is where all truth is. Let's look at Colossians 1.15 and we'll see the supremacy of Christ here over creation. Over creation. Scripture declares of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him, that being Christ, were all things created. So in the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. The sun was there. And this scripture declares to us he created the heavens and the earth. Elohim, remember, in the Hebrew is plural. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. It's plural. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, beloved. Look at this. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth. So everything, the stars, the beauty of the stars at night, when you look up and see that, if you're in a, if you're in a place where there's not much light, and you look up, I'll never forget in the mountains of Oregon, looking up and seeing the Milky Way. It took my breath away. I'll tell you that. And you just see the glory of God. You just see the glory. Just look at these giant lakes we have. Just look at those. Do they not magnify the glory of God? He just spoke it all into existence, beloved. And it all, you know those, the, the oceans have boundaries. I've mentioned this before and it's worth repeating. The oceans have boundaries that the Lord has set and the ocean cannot pass that boundary. Because he set a boundary, beloved. Oh my. It's wonderful. Now look at this. So in case anybody thought, well, maybe, maybe things visible were created by the Lord, but, but what about invisible things? Well, you know, the Holy Spirit takes care of that in the scripture too, doesn't he? All things visible and invisible. Things we can't even see with the human eye. Angels, princes and principalities, the cherubims, the seraphims, things which we cannot see, all created by him and all under his dominion. He has supremacy over them all. He's the creator. See, that's why in Romans when it talks about the potter and the clay, you see the contrast there. Does the potter say, or does the, does the clay say to the potter, well, make me this or make me that? No. It's just clay. All things to our Lord is just clay. 
And he's created them for his pleasure. And for his glory. To manifest his glory. You look up at them stars at night. You can't but help look at those and think, my gosh, look what the Lord's done. And does it not manifest his glory? Absolutely. And then it says this. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. Now look at verse 15. It says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? The Lord Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. He is the express image of God. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. Remember? He said that to his disciples. Here we see Paul by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Because remember again who the true author of these words are. It's the Holy Spirit of God. He begins to combat even more attacks by the false teachers against Christ being the preeminent one. He presents Christ here. He presents Christ's preeminence so clearly here that it's unmistakable. That he's preeminent over all things. He presents Christ as the image of the invisible God. And note the verb it's used here. It's not a question of, well, he might be this, or well, he might be that. There's no question. It's a stated fact. He is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. It's a stated fact, beloved. There's no room for debate or arguments. See, God silences any critics. Doesn't he? He just pronounces a fact. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's a fact. It's not up for debate. So Christ's preeminence, the supremacy of Christ here over creation, is a fact. It's a fact. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the image of God who is invisible and is manifested to us. My, it's so clear, isn't it? Here's a good illustration. The scriptures declare the, before us that Christ is the image of the invisible God. And now we must, we must set our eyes of faith upon him, don't we? And he's told us, he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. Now think when a man looks into a crystal glass, that crystal glass does not reflect it casts no reflection of himself. But if you put steel behind the back of the glass and look in it, it will cast a reflection of he who is looking through the crystal. If God the Father were to look through the crystal glass with steel behind it, it would reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. He is God incarnate in the flesh. Remember the three are one. They're three distinct personalities, but they're one God. Oh my. And the Lord Jesus Christ does not just bear resemblance to the invisible God. He is the express image of the invisible God. Scripture says this, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto us by the fathers, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, hallelujah, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, is finished. But notice that text in Hebrews that one verse three it says it says he's the express image of his person. He's the express image of God. Our text continues. Look at verse sixteen. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Everything. 
Everything was created by him. So this verse continues to show the supremacy of Christ. Paul continues to bring the supremacy of Christ before the Colossian believers. All things were created by him. He is supreme over all things, everything, visible and invisible. That's our Savior. I ask myself, why do I ever stress? Why do I ever worry? <laughs> why do I ever doubt? And the answer is what Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> Who can deliver me from this body of death? <laughs> oh, Lord, help my unbelief. That's my cry. And I'm a preacher. That's my cry. Lord, help my unbelief. Help me when I start doubting. Just help me to focus on your supremacy. I was telling Vicky this week, uh, there was, I got down about something. And, and it wasn't the election. I got down about something else. And I was down and all this. And, and uh, I started working on Sunday night's message. Man, I come downstairs. I was lit like a Roman candle. I was lit right up. See, that's what it does. Get my mind focused back on Christ. Get my mind focused back on him. And everything's fine. I don't know if it's so for you, but, but for me, when I get my eyes off Christ, I'm in trouble. I start, to, I start to get worked up, and it don't take long to wind me up like a... You know, remember those spinning things we used to get with the strings on them when we were kids? And those things that just spin around the whole room, bouncing off everything? That's what happens to me when I stop looking at Christ. I'm like that little spinning top, bouncing off of everything. Oh, my. Out of control, Right? You hit something, boom, you go somewhere else. That's how it is for us when we stop looking to Christ. Oh, Lord, keep our eyes focused on you. Keep our eyes focused on you, Lord. So this verse, these verses just bring forth the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wonder of wonders. Think of this. Wonder of wonders. Christ Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnated in the flesh, died on Calvary's cross to save us from our sins. Oh, my. He's the people's substitute. He's, he's God's people's substitute. He's the substitute for all God's elect as he dies on that cross. And think of this too. He's supreme over all things in heaven and earth. Whether they be thrones or dominions or princes and principalities and powers, it doesn't matter how powerful these invisible powers are, they have no power before our Lord. He's supreme over all of them. Right? Even Satan had to come and ask permission with, to God whether he could do what he did to Job or not. And what did the Lord say? You can do that, but you can't take his life. Well, Satan couldn't pass that bound, could he? Not at all. Oh, my. And Paul here, again, he's speaking against the Gnostics, which is angel worship as well, and and uh, several people thought that angels had power. People still, unfortunately, in this world, in certain religious sects, still think that statues and other things have power. They have no power at all. They're just dead idols. Or as one commentator said, they're just dumb idols. And how do we know that? Well, if there's a fire in the building, do they sit there and scream and say, get me out, get me out? No, somebody got to carry them out, right? Eh? They can't do nothing. They can't do nothing. There's only one true living God, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came to this world to save his people from their sins. My question to you is, are you trusting Christ? Has God given you faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Because the scripture says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Remember the Philippian jailer? He said, what must I do to be saved? What, what can I do? <laughs> now, would that not be a perfect opportunity? Would that not be a perfect opportunity if it was true for Paul to say, well, you need to walk this aisle. You need to come over here and you need to repeat this prayer after me that I'm going to preach for pray, uh, pray, or repeat from Romans chapter, whatever they use, the Romans road. That, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and, and then, then, you're, then I'm going to declare that you're a child of God. Did Paul do that? He didn't. He said, 
believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Period. My, isn't that wonderful? Just believe on him. Believe on what he's done. Trust him and him alone. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you faith to believe on him. If you, if you, don't, if you don't have faith in him, may God give you faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that faith to believe on Christ is a gift from God. Our people shall be made willing in the day of his power. And you cannot stop God's people who are being made willing from fleeing to Christ and then from holding on to him for the rest of their lives. Oh my. He's our all. He's our all in all, Paul wrote. Oh my. So there's nothing. There's nothing that God's not supreme over. Nothing. Nothing at all. He's supreme over all things, all created things we see here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John 1, verses 1 to 3. He made it all. And by him all things consist. Everything. You and I consist. We breathe our breaths because of God. And how merciful is God even to the unsaved who curse his name and he gives them breath to breathe. How much more merciful will he be to we who are the children of God? Oh my. And he's manifest, manifested his great mercy to us, hasn't he? In the fact that Christ came and died as our substitute on Calvary's cross. Oh, it's wonderful. In verse 16 it says, by him and for him. In the latter part of verse 16. Well, all things were created for his glory, beloved. You and I were created for his glory. Scripture declares there's some that are vessels of honor and some that are vessels of dishonor. Some to manifest the glory of God and some to manifest the wrath of God. I don't know who they are. Therefore, I proclaim the gospel all. Praying, all praying, and I know you pray too. Praying that the Lord would use the gospel to save his lost sheep. So why? So he can get all the glory. So he can get all the glory. And the Lord Jesus Christ created all things for his glory. This magnifies the deity of Christ, doesn't it? We saw in the text that the shedding of his blood manifests the humanity of Christ, but these verses here manifest the deity of Christ by him, by his power, by his almighty power. My. He created all things for him and by him. And the false teachers in class also taught that there was a power in heaven through various degrees of angels and Christ was just one of them. But we see that Paul quickly disposes of this error right before us, doesn't he? There's only one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. All things are subject to him. He's not subject to anybody or anything. God's not up there wringing his hands. Oh, please, I hope you choose me. That's a God of people's imaginations, brother. That's not the God of the Bible. Now think of this. Think of this. God, by his almighty power, created all things, visible and invisible. And if you're a child of God, sitting here today, he, by his almighty power, and by his almighty mercy and grace, chose you to be a vessel of honor. That's incredible, isn't it? And chose to send Christ. Christ himself willingly came. The creator of all things. Think of how much he humbled himself. Think of that. Think of how much he humbled himself. The creator of all things, by whom all things consist, came down to this earth, lived the perfect life as the great substitute, 
and then went to Calvary's cross and redeemed every single one of his sheep by the shedding of his own precious blood that they might be with him forever in glory and that they might, they might praise his mighty name and give him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And why? Because it pleased him to do so. Now bring that home. If you're a believer, you are saved. Mm. I am saved because it pleased God to do so. And who's the one who keeps us? The one who has all power. The one who all things are subject to. Next, let's look quick. The supremacy of Christ in the church. Look at verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Look at that. Notice the verbiage. He is. It is not up for debate. God doesn't debate anybody. He just pronounces who he is. Isn't that wonderful? Now we have people wanting to debate us all the time, right? Just taking the verses like this and say, well, this is what God declares. I ain't going to go nowhere else. We, number one, we can't prove that God is to other people. The Holy Spirit has to reveal God and Christ to us, doesn't he? Now we declare what we know. We declare what the scripture says. He is. He is God. He is the head over all things. There's not a pope. Right? There's not all these hierarchy of leadership, is there? He is the head. He's the head. We're all on level ground, beloved. Remember what Scott used to say? Right? I, I've repeated it so much, and I, I'm going to, man, that's, that's one thing I'm going to hold on to for a long time. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. It's like this. We all stand on the same ground. Before Christ. That's how it is. He's supreme over everything. He's supreme over all of us. And he is the head and we're the body. Right? He's the head and we're... I have the privilege of preaching, but I'm just a saved sinner with a message. God's given me a message. To proclaim Christ. But he's, he's the head. He's the one who gets all the preeminence. He's the head of the church. He's the supreme one. remember years ago listening to a sermon by Brother Henry on this very verse, and he mentioned that, again, when we take pictures of ourselves, we take pictures of our heads. We don't take pictures of our feet. We don't take pictures of our hands, right? Sometimes people take pictures of their hands and put it on. But, but as a family portrait, could you imagine a family portrait with a bunch of feet? You'd, you'd not even know who, who was who, would you? Right? Unless there's a few little ones. Well, okay, uh, we know that's, that's Junior there. We know that, right? But otherwise, right? So we get pictures taken of our heads, don't we? He's the head, beloved. He's the preeminent one. Him and him alone. In the church... We are the body and Christ is the head. And again, he gets all the preeminence. He gets all the honor, all the glory. And the church is just a building, isn't it? Or not, I'm sorry. This building is just a building. The church is you and I in Christ. It's the people. We love our building. We're thankful for it. But it's just a building. But we're one in Christ, aren't we? He's the head, and we're the body. When Adam fell, when Adam fell, all the human race fell in him because he's the federal head. Do you notice we didn't fall when Adam took or when Eve took the fruit? We fell when Adam took the fruit. Because he's a federal head. Well, Christ is the second Adam, beloved. And all who are in him are secure. All who are in him are forgiven. In, in Adam we're condemned. 
But in Christ, in Christ, God sees us as unreprovable, holy, blameless. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. So the church is made up of all the believers of all the ages. All the elect of all the ages. Oh my. And we are one in Christ. He is the preeminent one. Without Christ, we would be as dead as a body without a head. What happens when you chop a head off a body? The person's gone, ain't they? That's how we'd be without Christ. Oh, in Christ we have, think of this, in Christ we have all the forgiveness of all our sins. And I mean every one. Every one. Worst sins that we can think of that we did, and I know there's many for me, and I'm sure there's many for you, washed clean by the precious blood of Christ. Washed clean! God says, I'll remember them no more. No more. They're gone. How? How? By the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in him alone. There's no other way. Look at verse 14 here. Or let's, let's go up in verse 13 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. You know how dark that darkness was. We were dead in sins, weren't we? We were absolutely dead in sins, beloved. And we've been delivered. We've been delivered from the, from the power of sin, the power of darkness. And it translated us. You're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. He's translated us, beloved. We're new creatures now in Christ. Now we still struggle in this body, right? Because, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin? But, but praise God, we have peace with God in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. It says, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. And then look at verse 14. In whom we have redemption. How? Through his blood. We are a purchased people. We're purchased by the blood of Christ. We're a purchased bride. And, and think of this. It pleased God to do this. It pleased Christ to come to this earth, to go to Calvary's cross, to shed his precious blood to purchase us, to ransom us from all our sins. It pleased him to do that. And remember what the scripture said? We were enemies in our minds. And he did that for us. If someone was your enemy, would you do that for them? I mean, if someone was really your enemy, they just hated you without a cause even. Without a cause, right? Was Christ not hated without a cause? Did we not in our natural state hate Christ without a cause? We did, didn't we? Would, would you or I give our life for someone who hated us to the core? Well, I know what the answer is. I don't really even have to ask the question, do I? Because we all know the answer to that. And hear Christ. Because we are his beloved chosen people. Because he's loved us with an everlasting love. He's driven by that love for us. Now think of the person you love the most in this whole world. Think of the person you love the most. Your love for that person does not even compare to the love that Christ has for his people. So let's bring it home. We can say as believers, oh, what wondrous love is this. That Christ, that Christ 
has delivered us from the power of darkness. Oh, how deep that darkness was. And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And that we have redemption, forgiveness of all our sins through his blood. His blood, his life, his life blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood, the scripture declares. We lose our blood, we die, right? You bleed out, you're, you're gone. Look at that. Through his blood, even, and then look, look, what, look how that verse ends in verse 14. Even. Now, now, to be redeemed by the precious blood of Christ is absolutely incredible, isn't it? And then the Holy Spirit adds on even more sweetness to the verse. Even the forgiveness. Even the forgiveness of sins. How many? All for the believer. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? I'm going to close there because you can't get any better than that. That's wonderful, isn't it? I have a lot of pages left, but I'm, I'm just going to finish right there. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy your goodness and your grace to we who are your people. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you left the glories and splendors of heaven. You who are supreme over all things. You who have everything subject to you. And yet you humbled yourself and became a man, came to this earth, was spit upon, was, was beaten, was rejected, was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and yet you did all that for we who are your people. Your everlasting love for us is so manifested in your life and your death. All we can say, Lord, is thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the sacrifice of yourself. And thank you that in you and through you we have the forgiveness of all our sins. And we are clothed in the perfect spotless righteousness. Your righteousness, Lord Jesus. And because of that, oh, Father, we can be in thy presence. Glory be to you, Lord. Glory be to the God the Father. Glory be to God the Son. And glory be to God the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, let's sing number 514. You know, every day we're getting closer to heaven, we who are God's people. Every day. And I like the song we're going to sing called We're Marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. Remember, heaven will only be heaven because of Christ. Because of Christ. Let's stand up and sing 514. We're marching to Zion. Come we that love the Lord And let our joys be known Join in a song <coughs> Excuse me Join in a song with sweet accord And Sing it out. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to
Hill Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets, I couldn't help but think, I had not seen nor heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. We can't even imagine.